As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast, heading into 2022 Week 9. I'm Mike Sando from The Athletic, along with the GM, Randy Mueller. Mr. Mueller, how you doing? Doing great, Mike. I survived a Halloween without having to dress up again, so that was a good thing for me. I don't know how you did at your house, but... No, my uh, I don't dress up for the... I, you know, I was working. I don't, I don't dress up <laughs> for the Halloween parties. My, my high school son uh, had multiple costumes. He had... He, he went to a party that was called a rhyme no reason party. Mm. Rhyme no reason. So what it means is you and your dates cost, you you're in your date, whatever you are, has to rhyme, but for no reason. So he was Kenny G and his girlfriend was Bumblebee. He, so he dressed <laughs> as Kenny G, carrying around a saxophone. I got to give him credit for even knowing who Kenny G is, but he plays yeah. the saxophone. So he yeah. has. Uh, I thought that was kind of fun and better yeah. him than me. But no uh, That's answered sharp. the door a couple times, you know, that type of stuff. But uh, mm. we've got tricks and treats here this week uh, a treat to washington commander fans and really the league at, at, at large and in general is that we could be seeing a sale of the former washington football team now the washington commanders we'll get into that randy has a different angle on that uh just from his experience in the gm chair we got tons of trade stuff we'll talk about the packers and cowboys they didn't even make trades we'll go through all the big trades we've got randy's gm notebook Something on there for Kadarius Tony, Giants to Chiefs. We've got a little bit more on Denver, Christian McCaffrey, a couple other things in there. We get to our pick segment, which Randy reminded me of the one that I missed last week. I'm <laughs> sorry that I had a good excuse for that. We did actually <laughs> had a pretty good week on the picks. Um, before we get into all that, Randy, Football GM Podcast, I know you never like to talk about yourself, but you are the, is it Director of Player Personnel for the Seattle <laughs> Sea Dragons? Are you, what's going on with the XFL? You, you're, you're, you you yeah. busy right now? I mean, what's up? You know what? It's been kind of ongoing, and, and I appreciate you mentioning that. I, I am going to run the Seattle team with Coach Jim Hazlitt, and we have a history together. And oh, yeah. Um, anxious to bring that version of what we think is a, a pretty good football vision to Seattle. So, yeah, we've been working on this team really for about six months, and it's getting down to where we have a draft to populate our rosters in November. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of winding that part down and, but it's been fun. It's, we've got a great group of guys, uh, coaches wise that all I've worked with in the past for the most part. And Hey, when you get to be my age, it's, it's really about the people you're around and the process has been fun. And I think Seattle yeah. people, Seattle people in particular will, will enjoy watching this brand of football. And I'm anxious to always have home games because as you know, I'm a Seattleite too. So uh, when the opportunity came up, it's hard to say no to, to Seattle and, and some kind of a project that's within your own oh, walls. Yeah. So looking forward to it. That'll be fun. You got June Jones on the staff there, right? Yeah. So some yep. familiar names. So it'll be, that'll yeah. be great. June and I were together with the Roughnecks back a couple of years ago in XFO, XFL 2.0 and got off to a 5-0 and start before the pandemic shut everything down. So uh, yeah. Yeah. it'll be fun. Dwayne Johnson obviously is the main owner of this league and mm-hmm. um, it, he's, he's doing it the right way. And obviously the TV deal is with ESPN and all of their partners. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be fun. It's going to start in January and 
be kind of a cool deal. We'll play our home games in Lumen Field and looking forward to, to that. Oh. I, I have spent very little time at, at Lumen Field because that came after I was long gone from the Seahawks. So I'm anxious yeah. to kind of see what it's all about. Absolutely. No, it is a good, it's a good place to watch a game. I did go to, uh, before, before we shut down with the pandemic there, I did take my boys over there. In fact, we sat in a box with Lofa Tatupu. He was hanging out. Uh, it was really, really, really fun. Uh, I covered Lofa back in the day when he was uh, on the Seahawks and I was a Seattle Seahawks beat writer back then. Let's get to the news of the day here, Randy. It was kind of interesting and everybody's who, you know, gets announcements from teams in their email inbox this morning, like I do and, and other reporters, hey, Daniel Snyder may be selling the Washington Commanders. And then, oh, by the way, later, uh, the ESPN report yeah. came out. Oops. <laughs> uh, the federal prosecutors are opening a criminal investigation into allegations the commanders engaged in financial improprieties. That could give, <laughs> give us an idea as to the why of this. But yep. bad day for Daniel Snyder, probably a good day for the league. Yeah, I think you're probably right in the long run. I think I, I was not surprised by the fact that he was going to uh, at least uh, consider selling the team. Usually when you get this far, you've made up your mind that eventually you are going to sell the team. I think it had been rumored to where he would eventually come to this. I'm not sure how to advance the story because we've kind of thought this was going to be it. But eventually this team's going to be sold for more money than any professional team in North American history. I can promise you that. So yep. we've talked a little bit about why the value and how it's come to this uh, for the Washington football team, and it's going to go off the charts. Uh, Dan Snyder will have his pockets lined. The other NFL owners will drive the, their own value of their franchises way high, and it's a valuable commodity to have that not many people can afford. So I think what doesn't surprise me either was the fact that we were able to see uh, – Roger Goodell at work, see the other owners at work, it was going to be hard for them to force Dan Snyder to publicly sell his team. But this work has all been done behind the scenes. They can push, they can advise, they can do about everything to get us to this point. But eventually Dan has to pull the trigger. And it, it sounds to me like there's, you know, where there was enough smoke, there was fire. And, and that's what, you know, I think is going to, in the end, benefit everybody uh, if this sale goes through. Such a storied franchise, too, Randy. You know, just yeah. for me, uh, you know, growing up in the in the eighties, kind of when Joe Gibbs really had it going, and yep. um, you know, it's just hard to have a good feeling about the team in recent years. Really, the last 15, 20 years, because um, of the owner, it's really hung over yep. um, everything there. I, I'm sure you do too. I know people, you know, on the coaching staff there who work there, and and just when you think. There's a little bit of sunshine coming through. Something else comes down to remind you that you're working for this guy, you know, and it's just right. a, it's just a little bit of a downer, a big downer. Um, you have been worked for all kinds of different types of owners. In fact, you were with the CX when they had really good ownership, the, the Nordstrom family. Uh, you were there when they had bad ownership, the Baring family. You were there with good ownership again, a little bit for a while, a few years with Paul Allen, right? A couple years, a couple yep. few years. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, and certainly you've been a lot of places, Miami, Saints, Chargers. Um, you've seen enough things for to have a feel for what impact ownership actually makes. I've always kind of asked if, if bad ownership really ever is overcome. What do you think about working for different types of owners and, and maybe specifically that situation? Is it a huge downer and drag on just trying to win games? Uh, I will say this from the football side. It's been different for me. Like you said, I've worked for multiple owners and different franchises. And I think the only time it becomes a drag is when you on the football side know that, and you've done it enough times to get to this point within that franchise, when you know the answer is going to be no, it's hard on the football guys to continue to try to develop and, and show uh, and work toward a vision of what you want to have on the football field. And I've been unfortunately been involved with a couple of those groups where there was just so many hurdles to be able to do what you want to do that it yep. really makes it hard. And in this particular case, in the uh, Washington commander's case, I think this could be problematic for the football side if this does linger. I think oh, you part mean of the, the reason, sale itself could be? The sale itself, yes. Okay. If this sale, and it's going to take some time, but uh, if it lingers into the offseason, which it probably will, and, and, and maybe an owner hasn't been even identified by March, Dan Snyder's going to put the brakes on spending money. 
if you follow me. Yeah. And they're going to have to do some things in the offseason to shore this team up and and kind of produce uh, what they need to do to get better because they're not there yet. And that could be problematic if he hasn't found an owner. Now, I was lucky when I was in Seattle. You mentioned the Baring family owned a team. And, and by the way, they were not bad owners to us in, on the inside. They completely let us run the franchise as we wanted to and were very supportive with from a both cash standpoint and a, a support standpoint from us on the inside. So although they tried to move the team to California at one point, that was bad for the fans and for everybody involved, but they treated us as employees really good. So when he when Ken Baring decided to sell the team, he ended up selling it to Paul Allen. Well, we had about a three-month window in there where that transaction, all the details of it were being worked out. Well, it happened to carry into the spring and in through yep. a draft. And so me, as kind of the lead decision maker, it was like working for two owners with two ownership groups that had totally separate agendas. You know, Ken yeah. didn't want to spend any money. I understood that. Why would you want to spend money? He's why would to Dan, get out. Yeah, yeah, why would Dan Snyder want to spend money now if he knows he's going to sell it? Just flushing money down the tube. And then uh, Paul Allen, on the other end, he, he's not 100% sure he's going to get the team yet because the, the final thing hadn't closed, the final sale hadn't closed. So he's a little intrepid too. But in the end, this is what happens to be during the draft where we ended up getting Sean Springs and Walter Jones. And we traded up twice in the first round to get them when trading up really mattered cash wise, you had to pay a lot more to move up in the draft. And so this was an issue for ownership groups. And so it was like going to two different ownership groups. Now Ken said, I don't want to do that. Don't be trading up. That's going to cost us another $10 million. But at the same time, Paul said, I want to do what's right for this franchise. So it was like a negotiation. I'll pay this. The outgoing owner pays that. Did, is that really, did Paul pick, kick in for that draft? 100%. He ended up paying for all of the additional signing bonuses that came with regard to that sale. So that's why I'm saying it's wow. tricky as heck when you're dealing with multiple ownership groups because control of the franchise and control of the asset is at the end of the day only valuable to one of them because <laughs> the sale price <laughs> has already been determined. So yeah. yes, I, I remember having to go to Ken Baring and say, hey, we have a chance to do this. We can get Walter Jones. We can get Sean Springs, but it's going to cost this money. Well, okay, if you can get the other side to pay the freight. <laughs> now you're like, hey, trust me, yeah. my eval is good here because the new owner doesn't know if Walter Jones is a tackler <laughs> or a guard, right? <laughs> well, at the time, Bob Witsit was acting as the president for yeah. for Paul Allen. And so Bob and I were kind of negotiating with each other at times. Just, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, I'm sure I want to do this. I'm 100%. But as the GM or the head decision maker, it's a lot more pressure on you because you're right. You have to you yeah. have to suffice two leaders, two owners with information that makes them all comfortable. So my point is, sorry for the long-winded answer. If yeah. this goes into next spring, it will do, it will matter if they have an owner selected, where the tra- where the sales transaction is when yep. it comes to draft time, or even before that, when it comes to free agency in March. So that's my point. I think it could bleed into the offseason and make it a little problematic for the football guys, for sure. Fascinating. Yep. So we'll see how this thing plays out. We'll see. Uh, I don't think they're going to get a worse owner, probably. They're certainly not going to get a less popular owner. Uh, they're not going to get a... I guess now nowadays, Randy, this is just... Every, to get into this club, it's billions upon billions of dollars, so it's a certain type of owner, and they're going to have means, and they're going to be able to spend money. doesn't mean they always will want to, but they're going to at least be able to. And I think we're further away from those days of the mom and pop league, aren't we? I mean, it's Yeah, just, there's no doubt about it. You're probably yeah. going to get an owner that's there every day and wants to control you know, yeah. as much as he can. And I get it. You're talking about multiple yeah. billions of dollars. And yep. that's the difference, right? There, yep. Those owners that are there every day or in the middle of all this sometimes can mm-hmm. be very emotional and not really understanding of the information that they're getting. So that yep. that is good and bad as well. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So let's get into some of the trade stuff. I thought it would be interesting to talk about a couple teams that did not make trades. Sure. Green Bay was one. And um, obviously they came into the season light at wide receiver anyway after the Devontae Adams trade, drafted a couple guys, not huge impacts right away. Uh, They've had an injury or two uh, along the way. And uh, then the deadline comes and we see a flurry of moves around the league. We don't see them do anything. It's funny, I was talking to a guy from a team last night who said, uh, I don't know if they are afraid to take a risk or make a move, or maybe they don't know how. What are your optics on Green Bay? And and just that, it seems like 
you know, people used to criticize sometimes Ted Thompson, who was a really good football guy, but for not being active, quote unquote, doesn't seem like a lot's changed. No, I agree. And those are two good optical points made by whoever you're talking to, because that would be the first thing I would come to. And it kind of relates to what we just talked about. I think Green Bay, for the most part, um, has an advantage for not having a direct owner that's there every day, holding everybody accountable, Yeah, at, at least for the football people or the decision makers. I think in this case, had they had somebody that was, could have pushed them over the top to do it. The thing is, Brian Gutekunst, who I know, like, good good at his job, he's just never been anywhere else. So he doesn't know how that works. You know, uh, Mark, yeah. uh, Mark, uh, who's Murphy. the president? Mark Murphy, Murphy, the president. For Washington. Never been anywhere else, really, as a decision maker, so he doesn't know how this works. There's a lot of places that the owner would have said, you think Jim Irsay would have just stayed out of this and, and not got involved in this? I was thinking this, too. Are <laughs> they, like, calling, what do they call Ron Wolf? How do we do this, Ron? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, you're totally at the mercy of the personality of the decision makers. And in this case, nobody really pushed. So I think the answer is yes to both of those. One, they don't yeah. know really how. And two, they've never done it before, so they don't really know, you know, how to pull the trigger or, or have experience pulling the trigger. I think it's the hard part for me is I know the people involved. I like them, but I couldn't have not made a deal and gone downstairs and walked through the locker room. I just couldn't yeah. do it. We lost yep. four games in a row. I'm going to do everything I can to make a deal. In fact, I might do everything I can. And we talked about it on the podcast last week to make two or three deals. I don't think a particular deal was going to matter as much on the field as some of the fans and everybody else said they need to make a deal. I don't think it's going to matter as much as the message itself in what it tells those players in the locker room. I think that's the big thing. And so I struggled with them not making a deal. Not that Brandon Cooks or Claypool or one of these other guys wouldn't have made them better. I just, how do you go down and and say now, hey, I know, uh, buck up, we're going to be okay. You know, we're going to come out of this. Having done everything you can. Do you think they really care if you give away a second round pick next year or if you guarantee 18 million on a contract next year? They don't care. These players don't care about that. They want to know what you're going to do for them right now. So that's where I struggled a little bit. Yeah. And finding a way. And some of those contracts you're acquiring are are hard to do. I mean, for their cap situation with Rodgers on a huge deal, it'd be hard to guarantee fully $18 million next year. I get that part of it, but you've had since April. On April 2nd, Randy, Mark Murphy, the president of that team said, Hey, we got a long time till September, and there's a long. We got draft capital. We got all kinds of things. That receiver room is going to look a lot different because there was concerns after Devonte Adams was traded. And sure, they drafted, you know, they drafted uh, Christian uh, uh, Watson, Watson. Mm-hmm. and they, uh, you know, they signed Sammy Watkins. But those aren't, you know, the, those aren't now moves, really. No. I mean, I mean, I Sammy get Watkins, it. They're development moved. Yeah, and Sammy Watkins is just a plug, but uh, just a plug in there. But you've had. If we're talking then, since April, you've had, that's a lot of time to figure something out. If you really had to figure out some way to make some kind of a creative move to get somebody to play wide receiver or even a tight end or something, yep. couldn't you have done it? I would think so. I mean, we saw two receivers, you know, one Brandon Cooks was didn't move, but Claypool's got moved. And to be honest with you, I don't really care what the cost is within reason. Yeah. You know, I just think they needed to make these moves. If you had both of them, you don't think you'd be viewed a little different when people line up defensively against you? Absolutely. If you had, it just looked like we're doing something. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think they could, two guys would have really mattered as well. And I have nothing against these young guys that they've drafted. I just know this from experience. It is a hard position to plug and play these kids off the street. It takes a long time to learn what you're doing. Defenses find ways to throw you off your game. Um, that we've seen these guys go up and down. You just can't have that up, down, one week, yep. uh, you know, all over the place uh, results from their development. And I think that's what you're seeing in Green Bay. So I would have made a couple moves for sure. And I think the moves were out there to make. Um, somebody said they offered the same for Claypool's uh, a second round pick, but the, the Steelers didn't think it would be high enough. So kick in another pick. Who cares? Yeah. Kick yeah. in a fifth. You think that really matters? I would no. just I would do whatever I had to do to make the deal, and I wouldn't have let Omar Khan yeah. off the off the phone until we made a deal. That's all. Yeah, you have to make the deal, even if we can talk about the fit or what he's yeah. going to do. You're talking about the message we're sending to our team and giving us a guy and, right. and figure right it out. Right now, so all right, let's talk about Dallas too. No trades at the deadline uh, for them, and they had apparently or reportedly had talks involving the acquisition of Brandon Cooks from Houston. Cooks yeah. does have that 18 million guaranteed in 2023. 
I think it's really easy to look at that team and say, well, tough to do. Dak Prescott, $49 million cap number next year. But well, there's a will, there's a way. And by the way, I think Zeke Elliott's contract next year is, is the, the problem, a $17 million number there that they're committed to. Maybe they can get out of it. Maybe they will. But for Dallas, Randy, for Jerry Jones's reputation as being a wheeler and dealer, maybe not that much different from Green Bay. Yeah, I think that I think the things that he said were all salesman based. And it was really a lot of hot air trying to say that we were in the middle of this deal. We couldn't settle on this. I got news for you. That's what every deal is like that. <laughs> if you're the greatest deal maker ever, I'm just a young kid from Idaho, okay? I can make deals. I can promise you I can. And and you can too if you're willing to find a common ground and do what you got to do to get him. That just told me he really didn't want to make a deal, but he wanted everybody to know that he was trying to make a deal. So I just, it fell on deaf ears for me as an explanation for why they didn't do it. Frankly, I'm not sure that Cowboys needed to do it anyway. I think it's more important for the Cowboys to have now found a game plan that Kellen Moore has instituted on this offense. And I think it's more important for them to stick to it more than anything else. So maybe another toy, another bell and whistle on the outside of the perimeter, maybe have been counterproductive in my mind. I think they've found what they need to do. Yeah, so I I agree with that. I would want us... If I was them to add, you know, to add talent, have the best of both worlds, have it there available because there's going to be times you have to uh, go in the passing lane and and hammer the gas down to get around a, an obstacle, right? I think yep. uh, obviously the way they're set up with their defense and their uh, run game and Dax uh, can manage the game, um, they're going to win a lot of games that way. But ultimately, to to push deep and maybe overcome a Philly in a big playoff game or or get to the Super Bowl, that sort of a thing. It feels to me like they do still need that other gear available. Do you think they can have that, Randy? Do you think they're just sort of ceilinged right now with what they have on offense, where they can be good, they can play to their script, they can play to their game plan? Do they have enough juice there to really push? I think their one gauge is going to be that game with Philly. And they were in that game for a while, but clearly weren't good enough. But they're going to say we did. we had that game without Dak. Yeah. So when Dak comes back, that's going to push us over the top. So I think they think, and, and I would probably agree, I don't think they should have mortgaged anything too much to, to make this team better. I do think they're hanging their head on Dak taking them to the next level, a place where Cooper Rush could not. So I think that's probably their plan. Is it good enough? I don't know. I think uh, San Francisco has made waves. They're kind of in the mix now for me. Minnesota's maybe not completely believable, but they're in the hunt. And then Philly is just that much better than all of them. So right now, I don't think Dallas has enough, but it doesn't mean they can't execute better and do things better internally to push them at least closer to Philly at the end of the day. They're going to play them two more times. They're going to play them once in the regular season and probably play them again in the playoffs at some point. And Dak's significantly better than Cooper Rush, wouldn't you? Yeah, I agree with that, if he's right. Especially in this system now that they've employed, that Kellen has kind of changed things around to where not just building stats and yardage, we're actually playing to win the game. If he does that, I think they, they they have a better chance. Yep. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's move on to the next trade. Denver trades Bradley Chubb, pass rusher, in a 2025 fifth 
to Miami for a 2023 first that was acquired from San Francisco, currently would be 20th in the order, plus a 224-4 and running back Chase Edmonds. Uh, interesting here, a couple ways. What way do you want to go with this one? I got a couple thoughts, but I'm curious what strikes well, you. Well, I, I like the trade, obviously, for this year for Miami. I don't know about paying him $20 million a year, and that's coming at some point. So there yep. is a next step. But I do like it for Denver from this standpoint. Denver plays a 3-4 scheme. They're in base coverage, base defense a lot. Bradley Chubb is not an outside linebacker. I know he has five and a half sacks, and every talking head in the world thinks he's an elite rusher. He's really not an elite rusher. He's not Vaughn Miller, not in my opinion, not even close to that. And he's really not a linebacker. That's the fit problem that, hey, I worked for Nick Saban in Miami. George Payton worked for me and who worked for Nick Saban in Miami. So he comes from the same school of thought that it's all about fit for that front seven. And I'm not sure Bradley Chubb fits exactly what they're doing. The trade told me two things from Denver's standpoint. One, Chubb doesn't fit perfectly. And two, we can't afford him next year. So let's get what we can right now and move on. They have some other parts in Denver. I made a trade like this one time in Miami. We traded Chris Chambers, a, yeah. a well-known receiver, a good yep. player by most people's opinion. We traded him to San Diego for a second round pick on trade deadline week. Yeah. And so we did a similar thing. And everybody said to me, why are you just giving up? Why are you throwing the white flag? George Payton said yesterday, this wasn't a deal made based on our record at all. And it resonated with me because of that. We didn't trade Chris Chambers for that reason because we weren't good. We traded him because we had some better options and other options. And we were going to lose him the next year. So I really think George thinks he has other options. And when you look at the tape, they do. They have a kid that they drafted in the third round before George got there, Draymond Jones, who's an outside rusher. He's an inside rusher. He's really more of a linebacker than Bradley Chubb is. So they have some movable parts is all I'm saying. They can move some things around and find guys that are more perfectly fitted and worry about paying those guys down the road. So I understand it from Denver's standpoint. Miami's got to do something to get over the hump, to get in the mix with Buffalo, to get in the mix with Kansas City while they can and, and while two is healthy. Who knows how long he's going to be healthy? So they're going to try to keep them at the forefront. And I think this move does move Miami with the addition of Wilson, the running back from San Francisco. It puts them in that group right behind Kansas City and right behind Buffalo, in my opinion. Interesting. So uh, is it is it an indictment of anything that you're doing when you have when you can't fit a good player into your defense? Or is he just not that good of a player, Bradley Chubb? I think different players have different skill sets. And New England has made a living the last 20 years on defense, especially fitting players into that. That's where Nick Saban came from. And he made me a believer in it. Our criteria is set for exactly what we're going to do. We're going to take players that accentuate their strengths and we're not going to put them in position that accentuates their weaknesses. And I think this is an example of that. I think Bradley Chubb is a fine player, but I think he's a hand on the ground, 4-3 defensive end and a sub rusher, which is exactly what Miami's going to use him for. I don't think he's a 3-4 outside linebacker. So on mixed downs, on first and second down, a lot of times, I don't know what to do with him because he's not a chase linebacker. He's not, he can set the edge a little bit without a doubt, but he's He's a little ankle stiff, so he's not, not to get too technical to people, but he doesn't go back. He's not going to be effective in coverage. He really needs to go be, go forward all the time, and that's what they'll have him do in Miami. In Denver, that came only in sub-packages, not in base defenses. Interesting. That's great. That's a great point because I saw this kind of from afar as, geez, you know, wasn't he a big part of your plan, and now you you have a bad record and you're, uh, yeah. you know, it looks like you're, you're saying, okay, let's get a pick for next year, which I understand. I wouldn't pay him twenty some million a year either. Right. Um, he seems to me like a good player, not a great player. But if the fit is bad and you're convinced it's going to remain bad, then all the more reason to do it. And you don't necessarily see this as Denver saying, "Hey, we're three and five, let's sell." No, not at all. In fact, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying Bradley Chubb isn't a good player. I think he's a really good player. It's just not an ideal fit where he's at. Yeah. And and. I think most people probably agree with your frame of mind and the way yeah. you thought this through, but, 100%. Yeah. No, yeah. but yours is better. That's a better Well, I don't know if it's better. better. I just, I, I looked at the film this morning and last night. Yeah. I've got a couple of Denver films out and said, what are we actually giving up yeah. here? And, and that's why I kind of came to these conclusions. And it reminded me of when we traded Chris Chambers, who was a really good player, but wasn't going to be a great fit for us in this system. Plus, we had some other options. Yeah. And I think yeah. Denver has some other options. 
Chris Chambers was put together too. Remember him? Yeah, uh, good guy too. And how about this? And a, a year later or two years later, I was in San Diego. So I just follow the guys that I trade. Ricky yeah. Williams from New Orleans to Miami. Then I followed uh, Chambers from Miami to San Diego. So I, I, I guess it's just me, the black cloud that won't leave these guys alone. <laughs> That's great. Um, let's uh, let's do the Detroit trade. That was interesting. Another in-division trade. If you go back to the draft, remember the Lions and the Vikings made a trade that allowed the Lions to trade up, I believe, for the 12th pick and take Jameson Williams, yeah. uh, uh, the wide receiver from Alabama, correct? Yep. I think that was the pick, yeah. So uh, as the trade deadline comes down, Detroit trades tight end TJ Hawkinson, who's a previous top 10 pick of the uh, prior regime, plus a 223 fourth, a 224 conditional fourth that would downgrade to a fifth if Minnesota wins a playoff game. They trade him and all that to the Vikings for a 2023 second and a 2024 third. Interesting deal in the division. First off, I got to ask you, did you ever do in-division trade? You know, I thought about it when I saw this, and I cannot remember ever making a trade in the division. Could you imagine trading all my years in Seattle somebody to Al Davis and having to play him two times every year. I mean, that yeah. would drove me crazy. Now, I understand once you have conviction for a player or not, it shouldn't matter where he goes. But yeah, yeah. I, Still, you're, either, you're either dumb or you're gutsy as hell. So I don't know which side to, uh, I would have fell on there. You know, I just didn't yeah. have the guts to do it, I guess. Yeah. What do you think of Hawkinson as a player, though? And, and I mean, is this a good, let's just, let, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's attack it. Let's attack it from the Minnesota side first. I think that's probably where people are most excited about, Hey, we're six and one. Yep. Uh, we had lost Irv Smith, the tight end to an injury. Boom. We plug in Hawkinson. Sure. We give up something for the future, but Hey, the NFC doesn't look all that great. We're probably yep. playing a home game against Dallas in the playoffs. Let's yep. go. Um, do you think this is a, a good move? Do you think it's a short sighted move? I mean, sometimes I when you make a move right them. after an injury, yeah. you know, I think one, one, the first thing is they, they're getting a weapon. I'm not sure they see him as a tight end. I think he's a weapon for us to use in a bunch of different ways, especially in the passing game. I've heard some people say he's a blocker. Yeah, I don't know if he's a blocker. But he, he'll get in people's way. He'll try to block. Um, but I think they see him in the passing game having much more effect than in the running game. From Detroit's standpoint, do you think it was personal at all? Because, you know, Dan Campbell was a blocking, tough, grindy, <laughs> blue-collar tight end in the league, right? Yeah, And he sees these runaround tight ends now that play with skirts on, he would say, and, and they're yeah. afraid to get tackled in this, and they don't get put their hand on the line of scrimmage and get dirty as an end-of-the-line tight end did yeah. like he did, like Mark Bavaro did. It's just a different time and age. I don't know if some of that filtered in or not. Um, it's if also not a premium position either. And I don't know that you could convince me, no matter how good, to draft a tight end up that high. He's still a tight end at the end of the day. We've talked about that before with, you know, obviously Kyle Pitts going high. And I've always felt, at least in recent years, that a a really good tight end is kind of a queen on the chessboard, though. It it really does give you some flexibility. And maybe just in there, uh, maybe just in a a narrow evaluation of the skill set, you would say this isn't a premium thing. But I think when you have one, um, it opens up some doors for you as an offense and a play caller, right? That aren't there as much or no, you don't buy that. I still think he's a tight end. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, I, really I didn't do. sell you there on that you one. You didn't sway me. I, I mean, and here's my point. You've got to, the system has to get him open for the most part. You've got okay. to design some things to use a tight end effectively. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I think they would rather use the picks and pay a different mindset of a perimeter oh, yeah. receiver or somebody like that, that, that we can make big plays with. They've proved over the last year and a half, they can lose without TJ Hawkinson. So we don't, we don't need him to do what we're doing now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously? I, yeah, and I see him at one and six. I agree with you. I think they've built a, you know, they, they've they built a physical offensive line and they're, they want to have that identity on offense. Yeah. And shoot, they used, uh, they're going to be getting Jamison Williams into the offense here at some point. So the offense for the passing game is going to run through the two wide receivers they got that are pretty good. Hopefully Alabama's yeah. good and then hopefully uh, – you know, uh, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown has been a nice find for them as a fourth round pick, right? A year or two ago um, should really, maybe those two guys were where you throw to. And they're looking ahead saying, look, next year it's 9 million bucks for uh, TJ Hawkinson. If we want to keep him after that, are we franchise tagging him for 12, 14? Not going to happen. spend yeah. $20 million over the next two years. Let's get a pick for him now because we need, we'll get the financial flexibility with him off the books. And then look, we'll get a second round pick. We got to pick, maybe we, 
maybe we pick a s star safety or we, we need to get something we need to get something to help our defense yep. or whatever position they need. Yep. You know, somewhere in defensive line, you know, somewhere. They gotta be able to, to help their defense in the future. They're not going anywhere this year. One of the things I, I wrote about uh on Monday, Randy, about the Lions was did you know that they now have a worse record in, in Dan Campbell's first 24 games than they had in Matt Patricia's final 24. Do you mm. think Dan Campbell's going to be there to decide whether or not we want a running a tight end to be more of a finesse or more of a pounder? I mean, what do yeah. you think? It's it's hard because he's – I, I do think he will be there. And I think this trade is just an indication that he wants to build it different than the last regime. So yeah. I understand why they're doing it. Um, I think the fact that – Dan Campbell is the way he is, has caused us not even to notice what the record is yet until you point it out, which I think is, is, is emblematic of what he stands for and kind of how he's doing business. Um, he's, he's, he hired two coordinators that one he fired last year before the season even got through on offense. It yeah. looks like the defensive is going to change again this off season. Fired the DB coach recently. Yeah. So he's made a bunch of changes that, he's hired in his first time ever hiring any coaches ever. So first time GM, Brad Holmes, first time coach, Brad Campbell, hopefully they work together on these hirings and how we want to piece this together. But I think his first coaching staff maybe yeah. lended itself to more friends and family and, and acquaintances than it probably should have. And he's paying the price for that now. So I think they will give him a third year. I do oh, think yeah, they I have do. to show progress. Um, and they have to build the team differently, which is going to take time. Yeah. I don't where do know. You yeah. Where do you think he's moved the needle? Because I think you're right. We, I mean, I love the attitude was all that. At first, he was yeah. kind of laughed at, like, oh, this is way over the top. Then people said, hey, you know what? He's being himself. He's authentic. I think he passes yes. the authenticity test. I mean, I like that about him. Yeah. Uh, but that record is terrible, and yeah. there, it's hard to have a we're a tough team mentality when you're terrible on defense. They're bad, and they went from bad to worse on defense. The offense came out of the gates pretty good, but I don't think it's been sustained anything. And by the way, they're going to go into year three, and they still don't have a quarterback. So, yeah, no, what is it? What are we hanging our hat on, Detroit, right now, Randy? You got anything they're hanging their hat on? What's what do they got? Not on paper, and not substantially that we can grasp. That's for sure. Yeah. So that's it's almost like a vision of what he wants to do. I think the remake of the defense can be done. Um, I don't know Brad Holmes well enough to know his skill set as an evaluator and yeah. he's really it's his first team build he's ever embarked on so what do we always say sometimes education is expensive and you sometimes have to take a step back before you get it right uh, yeah but i do think their vision on what they're going to do on defense has to come at some point there has to be some progress and i know through the grapevine he's trying to get better in that regard he knows it dan knows it so yep. he's going to have to make some moves at some point to, to shore up that defense both from a schematic standpoint and from a personnel standpoint, I just think we're going to have to wait, wade through these first two years before he gets it right. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that happens with a first-year coach or a rookie head coach. When you hire the wrong guys, it sets you yeah. back. And then you're going to need a reset after this year and a re-schemed and rethought-out plan to, to build the defense differently. Yeah. If I'm hanging my hat on anything, it's offensive line. I think that's something you can yep. build around there. And, I think you're right. Uh, you know, and they've got a... Uh, they got a good uh, running back. Good too. running back. They got a couple decent runners. Yeah. You know, they have a couple. I mean, shoot, they might have a couple good receivers now too. Yep. We'll see how the rookie comes along. But I think there is some light at the end of the tunnel on offense. And certainly, we've seen it in spurts be good this year. But I think it's cool. fair to point out the record and say, hey, you know, when we got the Giants guy coming in and being six and one, you know, let's what are we talking about here? So no, that's right. Um, all righty, Pittsburgh trades Chase Claypool to Chicago. For a 2023 20, second, I want to ask you: Did you ever do a deal with Kevin Colbert when he was the GM? In um, I think we made a deal or two when he was an assistant in Detroit, but I don't believe I ever made a trade with him while he's in Pittsburgh. And we're about the same age, so we yeah. we go through we've gone through the whole gambit the last 35 years together. So he's I consider yeah. him a close friend. Yeah, I just was wondering if with Omar Khan there, if it's a, any bit of a new era or, or of trading and that sort of a thing, or are they just in a different spot now? They're in a little bit of a bad record deal, and this is just sort of what you do. Well, I think with Claypool, I don't think it was the on-the-field stuff. I think it's yeah. the off-the-field stuff, the distractions, and some of the things that he has caused uh, them to not be Steeler-like. It's kind of like, yeah. hey, there's certain things we're going to conduct and, and tolerate. Other things we're not. 
Yeah. Omar Khan is a, is an administrative guy. He was he worked for me in New Orleans. I've known him since he was a young kid. But he's really a cap guy. And so I think this stuff makes sense to him. We're going to clean up some things, and here's a chance. Yep. We're not going to be able to pay this guy. And I yep. think that's the big thing is at some point you have to pay everybody. So the contract does figure in in most of these deals. And some teams are just electing to go different routes when it comes to team building based on finances. Yep, yep. So do uh, you like it going to Chicago? I think it's a good move by Chicago. I was only taken back a little bit because I don't think Chicago is a receiver or two away from being good. No. And would I have rather used a second round pick on something else? Possibly. But I understand they're trying to get this young kid some weapons and that Moody, the, the other receiver, can't do it on his own. And we have seen some daylight at the end of the tunnel on Justin Fields. So maybe this is a message like we talked about Green Bay didn't send. Maybe this is a message to, hey, we're going to help Justin Fields become a better player. And for the first time in his career, the last two weeks, we've actually seen a scheme that he can run and that makes sense. So let's give him another weapon to, to use. So yeah. I understand it from their standpoint. I don't know if they'll be able to keep Claypool and pay him and all that, but hey, it, it's given up a second round pick. They've acquired some picks throughout Ryan Poles' first year. So um, again, I, I would like to wait to see how the rest of this team build plays out before you say yay or nay with regard to one trade of Chase Claypool. Yeah, and Claypool is under contract next year at a low number, so they'll get yeah. more than just it's not just a half season rental or there something. You go. Yeah. Um, I think it does probably uh, help them, you know, at least. Like I feel so somewhat, you know, when you're on a, a team like that, you're in a rebuild. You get rid of the linebacker Roquan Smith. You trade Robert Quinn. It's sort of nice to throw your locker room. Uh, hey, you know, guys, yes. we're not, you know, we're excited about. It. And then you have a little bit of buzz the last couple of weeks over Justin Fields. That he's looked better. They've run the yep. offense with designed rushes, and now you get this. And to me, it just sort of like, okay, hey, you know what? This is if we if if this wasn't the absolute best value, or if Claypool's just not the okay. cleanest guy. Yeah. You know what? We just got. The, we're real happy to unload these other guys who didn't want to be here yeah. and was going to cost a lot of money. Uh, and so, you know, this is a little bit of a rebound. And now let's go, hey guys, let's, yeah. let's go. I think you're um, making my point. The message matters. Yeah. And the message upstairs can send to downstairs in the locker room matters a lot. Yep. Okay. We had the Colts trade Naheem Hines to Buffalo for Zach Ross. Zach Moss, sorry, in a 2023 conditional sixth. I couldn't really figure this out. Um, had heard, I think, that, uh, you know, Hines may have wanted out of there, but I don't know mm -hmm. how you feel about that, Randy. I, I think Matt Ryan probably wanted to still be the quarterback. I don't think that going <laughs> to make him still be the quarterback. So yeah. uh, otherwise, you're saving some money. I don't I don't know. What do you see from Indy doing this? I don't really understand it from Indy's standpoint. I, I Every time I watch Indy play and I would see this Hines kid play, I would say, why do we, why are we not seeing more of this guy? And I understand uh, – Jonathan, the the runner that is Taylor, yeah. Taylor is is good. I get it, but I always wanted to see more of this Heinz kid. <laughs> Every time they throw him the ball, he's making a play downfield, and I think Buffalo is adding a weapon. I think they're yeah. adding a, another big time weapon in the passing game for Josh Allen, and he can do more for them than a Zach Moss. I don't know what Zach Moss does coming back with Indy because he's going to be less, I think, talented than Heinz, especially yeah. in the passing game. And I just I don't know what Indy's accomplishing other than. Uh, moving one for another, and they're not going to play Moss either. So, yeah, not, they, not sure it makes sense. sense there than yeah. saving money. But I, I'm intrigued by the piece added to Buffalo because no this doubt. is uh, somebody who really can make a catch of the ball. Did you see uh, in the game last week? Ellinger uh, uh, probably should have hit him for a touchdown, but it was, the pass was a little off. It was kind of might have been a wheel route or something coming out of the, down the left sideline. And uh, shoot, he made an adjustment that you'd like to see your wide receiver make. You know, yeah. he caught it on the outside shoulder and got it in his hands. And, you know, it was a pretty nice play. So you're not the type of thing you see from every running back, that's for sure. So. I think Ken Dorsey will will scheme some things up where that Hines will be targeted and he'll be a factor in the long run. So I like it. I'm very interested to see. This is the type of player that in a playoff game against Kansas City sneaks yeah. out of the backfield and makes a big play yeah. or something, and you go, oh, yeah, that's why they got that guy. You know, I like the fact that Brandon Bean was still aggressive, and everybody's picking Buffalo to go all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. He's not resting on his hands. He's trying to get better in every way, and I think you got to credit these teams that are willing to swing and not go yeah. up there looking for a walk. And they're – and look, remember they went and got Von Miller too. They didn't have to yeah. do that, you know. And they paid him in a kind of a risky way, you know. They gave him a bunch yeah. of guaranteed money for multiple years, but they're saying, "Hey, we're in, and 
we're going for it. Why, yep. When else are we going to go for it? You know, so yeah. I really like that move from their standpoint. An interesting one that's not going to help right away was Atlanta trading Calvin Ridley, kind of a forgotten man. He's been suspended through, for a gambling thing. Right. Um, had some issues there in Atlanta. They've obviously drafted Kyle Pitts. They drafted uh, the big receiver from uh, USC. Uh, and both of those guys in the top 10. And now they trade Ridley to Jacksonville for a 2023-5-2024 conditional four that can be upgraded if basically if the Jaguars like Ridley, if he, if he hits incentives or they pay him, that sort of a thing. Right. Uh, what do you think? It's kind of a forgotten player. I think Ridley's a really good player, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of what ifs in here, and it has made me <laughs> snicker. There's so many ifs in here. I wanted to say, what's the old saying? If my grandma yeah. should be my grandpa. And, and yeah. I, I, there's just yeah. so many what ifs in here. I don't yeah. know. Uh, this sounds like the kind of deal that a couple cap guys would draw up, to be honest with you, a couple salary cap <laughs> smart guys. Because I'm not sure I could follow along as a football guy. But I, I like it for Jacksonville. It's a trade that we'll never see until next year. We'll put it on put it on the shelf and see where it comes back. But I think he gives Jacksonville a weapon and a nice player to come back to next year. And for what? You tell me a conditional fourth round pick? Yeah. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, it's a little bit of I'll a flyer. I'll take Ridley. You know what it doesn't yeah, do anything between now and then to prolong the expulsion from the league. Yeah, you know what it reminded me a little bit of when Trent Balky, the Jaguars GM, was in San Francisco. He was always like, "Hey, we're gonna we got Mar we got Marcus Lattimore in the fifth round, or we got Tank Carradine, you know, these guys <laughs> who are injured." And you think, "Hey, you know what? We're getting them at a discount, and then that's gonna really pay off because this guy's actually it's kind of like that defensive tackle that Oakland took Hurst. Remember that? Yeah, we got yeah. Hurst in the fifth round, man. This guy's a top ten talent. Yeah, but and he's then, got lung problems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like injury yeah, problems. Yeah. But then like. <laughs> Almost seventy five percent of the time, the guy ends up not. There's a reason why yeah, he went that late. So, right. at least in this case, it wasn't that big of a pick. But I did think of that with yeah. Balky. Like, and hey, that's he, a valid point. I didn't connect those dots, yeah. but you're right. Balky's made a history of this. He's buying a lottery ticket. He's like, hey man, this thing could hit for the Powerball right here. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you start picking out a house in a new neighborhood, then you realize, oh yeah, <laughs> the odds are not really that high. Right. So we'll see. There's obviously, I think you know, Atlanta's. I understand moving on and just get something for something that was a lost situation where they're at yeah um, i guess i mean he wasn't going to factor in this year it gives him a mid-round pick next year yeah. Yeah. yeah hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's open up the GM notebook. Uh, what do you got in there this week, Randy? Well, a couple things, and not to dwell on the negative, but the Giants traded Kadarius Tony to Kansas City last week. Um you're talking about a really fast, explosive dude, man, a guy that can change the game in every way. And I was thinking, how bad does he have to be as a character? How bad does he have to be work ethic-wise for Joe Shane to say, I want no part of this young, fast, game-changing athletic <laughs> player? And that's what I thought. I'm, so I'm thinking, wow, wait a second. Is, is yeah, there something yeah. so shady about this guy that obviously they wanted him out of their locker room? Him and Brian Dayball decided they wanted no part of this kid. He's only one yeah. year in the league. But I'll tell you what, when you watch him play, you might think you're watching Tyreek Hill at times because that's how sudden and fast this kid is. So I'm anxious to see what they get out of this in Kansas City. Now, they've been rolling to roll the dice. Tyreek Hill, that was at the roll of the dice. Um, Kareem Hunt, the running back, roll of the dice. And I say roll of the dice because there was character and baggage oh, stuff yeah. that followed him. Big There's stuff. obviously some baggage stuff here that we don't know about with Tony, whether he just refused to practice or whatever. Yeah. And so, I mean, that could be the case, but Andy Reid's pretty tolerant. So we'll see where this goes. But that one just, it, yeah, it, the question came up in my mind is, I would have a hard time running off that. Which, <laughs> but I guess yeah. if he never wants to play, that's a hard one to evaluate. Well, yeah. So if you're in the Giants, though, you're in the very beginning stages of trying to set your culture yeah. and what we yeah. stand for and how we're going to do Back to the things. message. Back to the and message. And you don't yep. have 10, you don't have Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey yep. in that locker room. And as as good as Jabba Dayball done, he's not Andy Reid, you know, yep. with 
30 years in the game and Super Bowls and I get it. Coach Brett Favre and all this stuff. Um, so do you buy that w- where you go matters a lot with somebody like that? Or do you think Tiger doesn't change stripes and he's going to be a problem there too? <laughs> I don't know. I know this. He's going to be a fast problem for Kansas City. <laughs> I mean, so you kind of like it. If you're well, Kansas City, you're like, shoot. I'm just uh, saying, coach. I mean, does he really have to practice on Wednesday? <laughs> I mean, come on. Is it that big a deal? I know this. Even if you never throw him the ball, they got to defend us different. Okay? Just tell him to go deep. So I don't know. I really don't know how it's going to work out. That's why the question came up. How bad does it really have to be? I was trying to think. You who you, did you ever pick up someone like that? I was trying to think of someone like that who had a reputation and they were just incredibly electric. You know, Gifted. And, yeah, <laughs> well, Ricky Waters out. had a little bit of that. The running back, he wasn't fast like that, but he was really good. Um, Ricky's thing, though, was he was just so passionate about the game, yeah, and I think he yeah. was misunderstood. Like he he cared so much about it, you know. He was like yeah. over the top emotionally, right? But he yeah. but he wasn't a bad, you know, he, was he? He wasn't a bad guy. No, I I, I don't yeah. know if I've ever encountered yeah. one yeah. like this where I, again I don't know the details behind why yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I understand yeah. if a guy didn't want to practice, I get it. Especially when you're in the position that the Giants people are in. Yep. Andy might get something more out of him and he may, hey, he's yeah. willing to take a swing. I don't, I, I guess yeah. I can kind of see it from both sides. I kind of like it from their standpoint of Kansas City of where you're at. And I, I like yeah. the idea that they're trying stuff, you know, unlike Green Bay. Uh, you know, yeah. they're, and they they're, got Pat Mahomes and, and we're going to spread in. the field and we're going to do this. And guess what? He practiced the first day he got there. So, yeah. And, and he's kind of getting a second opportunity here, but if he if it doesn't work out here, he's the loser in this, not the, I mean, the Chiefs, not so yeah. much. So uh, I think that's an interesting one. What do you got for your next item in the GM? Well, notebook? my next one was, and I feel like I'm ganging up on Denver, but no, you explained the Chubb trade. The, you explained huh? the Chubb trade. You, you you defended him on the Chubb trade, so yeah. you're good. But we're back to the quarterbacks and the whiffs that they've made, and I'm going to set dangerous aside for now, okay? But he didn't play a couple weeks ago, and they played. Um, Brett Rippon. Brett Rippon. Okay. I'm trying to be diplomatic here. They, Denver needs to change the criteria of how they develop and how they select quarterbacks is all I'm going to say. It's an NFL game made for big, strong people that can make all the throws and do all the things. I just, I don't see what we're doing here. So I just think they've swung and missed again at a backup. And I like Brett Rippon, he'd be a good third guy somewhere. But when you have to play people, you then see the inadequacies of what they have. And so I just, I struggle with Denver having swung and missed at so many quarterbacks over the last five years that they swung and missed on backups now too, we're finding out. So that's my only point. I'm not trying to beat him up. It is what it is. Maybe that's my trouble with Chubb. I can never get the Chubb part of this out of my mind. That's who they picked instead of Josh Allen was Chubb. <laughs> so, yeah. You know. yeah, you're right though. There's a so, lot of just, misses yeah. there, a lot of misses, and he he really did ripping. That was just, a really yeah. struggling. Yeah, that yeah. was a he real was struggle a to watch. I just don't. Yeah, I, again, I only fear the people in the locker room and players. No players, and that was a hard one for me. You know, I just we're going to put our players in this position. I yeah, you had no you had no chance of winning the game. Yeah, really, not really. So he uh, he was undrafted and and you're right you got to have a you got to have a better option than that you got to have a better option I agree my yeah. other point was the Christian McCaffrey deal the CMC oh my gosh I mean yeah, you saw what he game. did right I mean oh if my. healthy if healthy this guy's an MVP candidate but the thing that I think has to be said is that not on every team he is in a place now with a coach now who will go out of his way to set an offense around this guy's skill set. Most, especially proven offensive minds, don't want to jump outside their comfort zone. You've seen Andy Reid do it a little bit lately and be really effective at it. A lot of guys won't, but Kyle Shanahan will. We've seen him do it with Debo Samuel. He's going to do it with Christian McCaffrey now. They will jump outside of their own scheme, their sacred scheme, to find a way to target really good players. And that's that's the difference between running a program and calling plays. But Kyle Shanahan's not afraid to, at some point, acquiesce into calling some plays to get the ball in CMC's hands. And not I love afraid. that about My him. goodness, he was yeah. showing off. I think it was amazing because they played the Rams so quickly and the Rams wanted him too. Yeah. And it was like, Shanahan was like, all right, McVay, yeah. I'm going to... Like they, they had him throw a pass. I think he lined up in the slot and threw a pass. I think yeah. he caught one. You see that catch he made for the yeah. touchdown? He was about 10 feet in the air. I think it's only the third time in the history of the league that somebody yeah. did what he did. 
in the history of the league. And so when when it was being questioned after the trade of, I don't know if we'll dress him this week. Somebody said, and yeah. it wasn't Shannon. Come on, are you serious? He was going to show up Saturday morning and dress, okay? he They were not, they don't care if he ever practiced. They were going to teach him four or five plays and they were going to run him. And sure enough, uh, to go with what you said, he was not going to not play him against the Rams. I can promise He's you almost that. the best athlete on the field when you're watching him play. Um, oh, no question. It's all about yeah. health. If he's healthy, he's their best player. If he's not, then you got problems. So it's a roll yeah. of the dice. Yep, yep. Maybe they can keep, if they keep him healthy, they'll look out. Yeah. Uh, all right, you had one more item in the GM notebook this week? Well, it was just one on the generalizing of all these trades. We saw more trades yesterday than ever in, at the trade deadline. Um, there were four yeah. or five of these deals, though, that I consider like cup of Starbucks trades, right? They yeah. were To me, they were borderline averting the waiver process. They were guys <laughs> that, well, we're going to give you a seventh, but you give us a sixth back in 2030. Yeah. You know, and, and it was all, Joel Bussert used to run the league office personnel department. Yeah. He yeah. would have never allowed any of these deals. He would have called, you, called you up and said, whoa, whoa, what are you trying to do, Reddy? I mean, come on. It, it just cut the guy, see if they claim him. We have a process for this. You can't trade guys for a pack experiment. You can't, it's yeah. just not possible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And fun. we had a bunch of these trades yesterday that were, I thought kind of laughable. They were yeah, okay. depth guys, back end roster guys. I get it, but they were just for a cup of coffee. That's all. Yeah. Well, were there any of those ones that no one was talking about that you kind of liked or think that could help? I, saw, I know Pittsburgh picked up, you know, the salary of William Jackson, the corner, or is there any of those types of moves that you thought move the needle for you or not really? I think the one move, and I wouldn't consider it a, a coffee trade, was the running back that went from San Francisco to Miami for for uh, Mike McDaniels. Oh, Jeff but I think Wilson? that was like a fifth round pick or something. Yeah, that was more of a real trade. But Jeffrey you like Wilson, him. yeah, I thought it was more of a. I think there's value there. Gives him another weapon that knows his offense. But no, none of these other ones. Dean Marlowe, um, Rashad Fenton, just to me, just yeah. filling in depth wise, very much equivalent to a waiver claim in my mind. Yep. All right, let's move into our picks segment this week. Last week, Sando leading the way. <laughs> You've been waiting to say that. You've been waiting. You didn't sleep the last three nights. You're afraid they were going to take one of these points back. Oh, I yeah. Know. I know. Hey, two and one. I won with uh, yeah. San Francisco against Walking the Rams. Walking in like Connor McGregor. Yeah. yeah. Tennessee. I, won. <laughs> I couldn't believe Tennessee was only an underdog by one, but I guess if you watched their quarterback play, um, you could see why that was. But uh, – Derrick Henry, I think, is still running somewhere out there. <laughs> and then I went against your advice. I lost taking Cincinnati minus three and a half. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure if Jamar Chase had played, you know, that would have made all the difference. <laughs> sure. Wink, wink. But uh, you've been, you've maybe this will come back in our picks later, but you've been warning me on Cincinnati. So we'll see about that. You went one and one, Randy. You yep. won with the Dolphins minus three and a half at Detroit. Lost with Jacksonville minus two and a half versus Denver. And if I'm going to make excuses for my picks, I'm going to say, my gosh, you had the right pick there. Jaguars are throwing interception on first and goal from the one. Would you have been pounding the glass on what we're doing there in the freaking booth? Because it's first and goal. Next door. I would have probably gone next door and just started throwing stuff. I mean, what is that? And they hit it against (laughs) Houston a couple days, a couple weeks earlier when they're down at the seven yard line. He throws a pick, run it in. Just run the ball, people. I I know we're cute, but these are teams nowadays that line up in a shotgun to gain one yard. So we're going to go back five yards to go forward a half. I just, I'm stupid. I get it. I I just don't Uh, understand that. Yeah. So that then, yeah, that was just brutal because Jacksonville should have won that game. So anyway, um, Denver needed it and they got it and whatever. We'll go to our picks this week. And who do you got? I got two games that I kind of like, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of hard headed. So I'm going back to the well on a couple of these. I like Carolina getting seven and a half at Cincy. I, and you know, I haven't been a drinker of the Cincinnati Kool-Aid. I get it. I just think Carolina has found a little spark. Steve Wilkes has done a pretty good job. PJ yeah. Walker should have won the game for them last last week. He looks I mean, let's face good. it. Oh, he looked outstanding. If they can kick an extra point, that whole league is all tied, same record. If they can just kick an extra point. Instead, they they can't kick an extra point, end up losing the game, and it was one that they deserve to win. So I think PJ Walker's your guy, by the way. PJ Walker is my guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 brought him to Houston? To Houston in the XFL, yeah. And he played just like this for us for five games and and we were not, you know, they couldn't stop us and the kids doing the same thing. So I'm for him. I'm also for Steve Wilkes and I'm really making this pick with my head more than my heart. Even after I've said that, I just think they're yeah. getting seven and a half points at Cincy. 
that Burns that's a lot kid of from Carolina might get four sacks himself. Okay, if they the if quarter. they scheme it right, yeah. So I'm not I'm not on Cincy at all. I think they've got to shore up some things. I was disappointed by, and maybe this is just me, Mike. I was disappointed by their effort the other night. I thought I was watching a road game on Thursday night with the kind of effort Cincinnati gave. It was a Monday night game, but it was simple. I had no juice, none at all. It was just kind of deadsville, like you get on Thursday night, especially from the road team. And here's a Monday night game against a division rival that they got to win. And it was like they didn't really show up. So that that took something out of me. I didn't think Zach Taylor really gave him a chance with any kind of scheme that was problematic for anybody. It was just very vanilla. And like you said, they can't keep the passer upright. So that's a struggle. So long-winded answer. Sorry, I'm taking Carolina seven and a half. The other game is I'm going back with Jacksonville. They're getting one point against the Raiders. The game's at home in Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville wins the game. So I'm taking really uh, two underdogs in in this. The Raiders got no points last week. I know. You know how hard it is to get zero? That's hard. Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, they're they're really a disappointing team, and they lost yeah. a twenty point lead to Arizona. They didn't score against this. I mean, I expected more. Really, I know they haven't had Darren Waller. They haven't had Hunter Renfro, but still, yep. um, it's just that's a team that I thought would have a better record um, at this point in the year. And shoot, they've had some decent games offensively, but zero. Right. I mean, man, I, not very good. So. Uh, I don't feel great about the picks this week, which means I'll probably do well. Hmm. I'm going to take Atlanta and get the three points against the Chargers. I've been a little bit of a Charger skeptic, kind of like you have been with the Bengals. And and not that you're not a Charger skeptic too, but I just think with Cordero Patterson getting back uh, to Atlanta and the Atlanta run game and Atlanta being a little bit frisky and the Chargers not necessarily having some answers on defense, I think Atlanta is just a team that knows exactly what they are and they're limited, but Hmm. they're going to keep coming at you. And uh, I don't know what we're going to get from the Chargers. So, yep. uh, what do you think about that one? You going to you going to advise me? That I that's see a it. Good I'm with pick? you on it. I think yeah. Atlanta is a good pick there. I think they're getting points. Um, yeah. The Chargers, for whatever reason, to me, just have not made the next step. And I think it's the middle of their roster, Mike. And it's yeah. always been a little weak for my liking. They yeah. they win some press conferences. They do some things to acquire some high end players. But it's the middle of their roster that always fails them year in and year out. And it's usually when some injuries hit. And I think that yeah. we're seeing that again this year. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to take Buffalo and give 13. I've been a jet skeptic too. And yeah. just because I've watching their offense, you talk about the Brett Rippon offense, at least they have an excuse because it was Brett Rippon, but I don't think the jet offense, especially in the passing game is good. Even when they've been winning. Yeah. Uh, I think people, some people, it seemed like we're like, Oh, three interceptions, bad game for Zach Wilson. Well, what did you see the other games? Yeah. Cause I just feel like there's, that has not been a good, a situation. I think Buffalo is just a really good prime team, uh, and 13's a lot, but I think they, I think they can do it. So uh, we'll see if the Jets' defense, which has been pretty good, maybe they have a different story to this thing. To that end, I, I would suggest something Jets-wise, and, and people are going to think I'm crazy. I would have no problem because I like Zach Wilson. I think he's going to be a good player, but unless we hold him accountable, he's not going to get better. I, I would suggest benching the guy if he does what he did last week. That's borderline insubordinate. He, insubordinate. he threw the Amari Cooper ball. I gave Amari Cooper uh, uh, an excuse. He was laughing about it because they won the game. But he, Amari was trying to throw the ball away. Yeah. He said, and he threw a pick. Well, so did Zach Wilson, but he's a quarterback. Yeah. We're not going to destroy Zach Wilson unless we can hold him accountable and, and get me on board with it. But if we, if we take him out, He's gonna come. He's gonna come back fine. But you've got to send a message. We can't just treat him with kid gloves if he's gonna keep making these stupid plays. And that's yeah. just borderline dumb for what he's doing. He doesn't need to do that stuff. He's really good. Start acting like it. Yeah. Now you're gonna play a really sound team in Buffalo. That doesn't yeah. have a lot of holes, and and you're gonna probably be behind. Yep. Um, and you're gonna be in a potential pure pass situation with Zach Wilson. I think that's how you win by more than thirteen. Maybe I'm wrong. I. I'm going to take Seattle and give one and a half. It was two and a half, but hmm. is, should Seattle be favored or should Seattle be an underdog at Arizona? What am I missing on Arizona? Is Arizona good or is Seattle not very good? Or um, I think everybody's just waiting for the other shoe to drop with Seattle. I think yeah, that's yeah. what betters are saying. They're yeah. saying this can't be true. Can't. Yeah. But I think it is true. I think they are a team now that has to be reckoned with. I got to give Pete credit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. stop! The press is here. I got to give Pete you credit. Have, you did not. This is singing a different tune here. I tried to tee you up a couple of weeks ago. Hey, what do you think of these young players on Seattle? I don't know. What are you seeing? 
I'm seeing the coach has done an awesome job. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I don't think I've seen a turnaround on defense. As we know, that first month, the defense was awful. Horrific. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. Anybody. They couldn't stop Anybody. anything. And they've changed their whole tune on defense. So I just like the fact that he's been able to have influence on that, and they've got results. So I think they're a good team. Do I think they're a great team? No. No. But you got to give them credit. Nobody saw the Geno Smith stuff coming. Nobody. They including didn't Including me, including you. Including them. Yeah, including them. them. That's right. The no. thing that impresses me most is his intangibles and his leadership and maturity has been spot on for them. And it's about timing. They need that. Yeah. And I just, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like they're a mature team at the head coach and quarterback position and sort of throughout, even for being a young team, they have a mature sort of attitude about them. Yep. And I feel like Arizona is the opposite of that. Yeah. And so, um, look, doesn't mean Steelers going to win the game, but I, I, if I had to have a hundred dollars on one of those teams, I mean, it wouldn't be Arizona based on what we've seen and just sort of the mojo that Pete Carroll has going right now. And it has been a change on defense. The thing about Pete is they, sometimes it takes a while, but he usually fixes whatever it is. And there's been times where the offense was bad for half the year yep. or the defense was terrible for five games. That, that's been a thing with them. Yep. It's one of the reasons I give Brian Dable so much credit. He came in in week one and yep. they had it figured out like right yep. away. Pete, sometimes it takes a while, but it's kind of like yep. Pete sometimes grabs the steering wheel and says, okay, kids, yeah. let's get back on here. And when he does, they sort of get on track and yep. uh, the defense has been different. So we'll see on that. Those are my three Atlanta, Buffalo, Seattle. You've got Carolina and you've got Jacksonville. Correct. And we've got a one-hour show in the books. How about that? Pretty good, Mike. I enjoyed it. Thanks for yeah. having me along. Absolutely, everybody. You can find Randy Mueller's work at MuellerFootball.com. You got anything up there, Randy, lately? Or have you been I have not DMing? written this week. I'm going to put a column up tomorrow, as a matter of fact. So Great. So that'll be up by the time most people are able to yep. hear this at MuellerFootball.com. You can find Randy on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. I'm Mike Sando. You can find me on Twitter at SandoNFL. And you can find my work in the athletic thanks everybody for coming along and we'll do it again next week this was the athletic football show